You are now listening to Podcasting in Pinstripes, the official New York Yankee podcast of Gotham Sports Network. Welcome back to another episode of Podcast and In Pinstripes, the official New York Yankees podcast on the Gotham Sports Network. As always, you have Sam and Steve here to break down the last regular season episode of the year for the AL East Division champion New York Yankees. How are we looking, Sam? We're looking great, Steve. Aaron Judge breaks the record, but before that... He ties the record, and the Yankees get to clinch the American League East in Toronto thanks to the wonderful host of Vladimir Guerrero Jr., (laughs) who let the Yankees clinch and let Aaron Judge tie the record in his house. So, I I mean, when you're thinking of hosts— Like, when I think about hosts, I think about all of my great friends who host me down the Jersey Shore, but I don't... An international host of Vladimir Guerrero for the the New York Yankees. Big, big fun series there. Uh, And as you said, got to icing on the cake. Aaron Judge hit in number 61 with Roger Maris Jr. in the stands. Took a little bit of time after that. The pressure started getting to Aaron Judge, but finally gets number 62 in the second to last game of the year. Number 99 hits number 62 as the Yankees are 99 and 62 on the year. Uh, Magical, magical season for for Aaron Judge. Uh, The Yankees finished with 99 wins, 99 and 63 on the year. Seven game lead over the Blue Jays to, to clinch that division and have a first round bye in the new wild card format. We'll get to the wild card at the end, but I I think at this for this podcast we'll do a little season season recap, give out some awards for the Yankees. And the first award we don't even need to discuss. It's Aaron Judge, the New York Yankee MVP, the MLB MVP with one of the greatest seasons we will ever witness in Major League Baseball. I don't even know what to say about him. This was is it the greatest season we've seen since the steroid era? I know there's this huge debate of oh, who's yeah. the real home run king. I, I believe it is. And I always reference A-Rod in 07 when he hit 54 home runs, stole 20 bases, and hit over 300. And as Yankees fans, we've gotten to see two of these seasons in the last 16 of them in MLB. Just an absolute treat to watch every night and a threat at the plate. And he really, since the end of 2021, got better somehow. Started hitting that inside pitch. Pitchers were attacking him inside, and he would just get around that ball and send it to left field like we have not seen in his career before. There was really nowhere you could pitch this guy, laying off the sliders and breaking pitches down and away. It felt like every time he needed to get on base, he got on base, and he saved the Yankees from an epic collapse because, I mean, they were damn near close. I know I emphasized on the last episode about that Sunday game in Tampa on September 4th of how the Yankees were able to escape. And really, they ran away from the division from that first Sunday in September. But Aaron Judge, when the whole team was down, he was up and he won the Yankees games. And we we talk about the potential collapse and how Mets fans were talking about the Yankees collapsing and how they didn't need to worry about the division. Well, I'm sorry. Guess what? The Mets choked away their division. <laughs> Got to bring it up at least once. On theirs. The Yankees held on to theirs thanks to Aaron Judge doing everything 
And you look at that week after the series in Tampa, they took three of four of, against the Minnesota Twins. And then uh, a week later, they go to Boston and Aaron Judge hits two home runs in a pivotal extra innings win, which is where I think they kind of clinched the division. He is the most valuable player on the Yankees. That's not even a discussion, but he's the most valuable player in Major League Baseball. And all due respect to Shohei Otani, yes, he does things that no one has seen since Babe Ruth was playing against. Better than Babe Ruth. He's, he's Absolutely. Shohei, Shohei's been amazing, but you said it's the season uh, of Aaron Judge. And it's just the numbers are, are staggering. 157 games played, batted 311 with a 425 on base percentage, slugging 868, had a 1.111 OPS and an OPS plus of 211. Uh, the, the old school numbers of 62 home runs, 131 RBIs, 133 runs scored, 111 walks, all first in baseball. He had a uh, 11.5 fan graphs war. And, and you said like the best uh, since the steroid era. Sam, it's better than and no one in the steroid era besides Barry Bonds had a season like this. Aaron Judge's 11.5 Fangraphs war is the 15th best season in Major League history, dating back to 1870. 15, that's it. And only a handful of guys. It's Ruth, Bonds, Gehrig, Hornsby, Wagner, Ted Williams, Mickey Mantle, Ty Cobb, and Aaron Judge. That's that's who the company he's with. That is insane company that, that he had put on here. It is Silly to think the things that he did this year, and it just say man, it is it's crazy. On July 14th, right before the All Star break, he was hitting 274, which is fine. He's a power hitter. He had 31 home runs, hitting 274. Yankees are in first place by a bazillion games. The Yankees go at some serious injuries. They get some serious struggles. They finish the rest of that year 37 and 34, three games above 500. Aaron Judge in those games hit 354 with a five. 03 on base percentage with 31 home runs. Where would the Yankees have been in this second half if not for Aaron Judge? He put up those numbers and the team was barely 500. This is talking about a team that could have lost, could have been 10 games under 500 in the second half. Um, and like you said, blown at huge lead. The Yankees won that division by seven games. There was times where it felt like it was going to be two games or the Yankees were going to lose it and we're going to be, you know, sweating it out this final weekend here. And every single thing comes back to Aaron Judge. Just an unbelievable bet-on-himself type season that you never see in sports anymore. You never see seasons like this in walk year. There's always those, you know, the, the you know contract year people have big seasons. They, they kind of gone away because people have been signing before that, before that contract year. Um, but just unbelievable to do this. Um, there was that clip of him in spring training before spring training uh, in the cage talking to his hitting coach um and he just kind of whispers like i'm gonna hit 50 this year and people got pumped for that like oh love it i think i even i think i retweeted and said i'll be happy with 40 he said fuck you steve 62 and we can go back a few episodes i i, I said 62 past two months that's where he's gonna land uh he was on pace for 66 for a long time uh and a little bit of pressure got to him people just stopped throwing in the ball they were like literally rolling it the home plate and he finally gets 62 down in Texas, would have been nice to have it in New York. But it's crazy to see. I still think Bonds 
is the record, obviously, but I wouldn't be shocked if we don't see 60 for a long, long time. And that includes Aaron Judge. I don't think he touches this type of season ever again uh, because, as I just said, it's the 15th best season in baseball history. That 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 is rare shit right there. We haven't seen 60 since the steroid era either. Giancarlo Stanton hit 59 in 2017. Ryan Howard hit 58 in 2006. And there's a debate of who's the real home run king. I agree, let the record book stand, like you said. But it is worth noting that Aaron Judge does not have a link to performance-enhancing drugs. In a year where they changed the baseballs again, and we've seen the least home runs we've seen in five years. Like, we we went through the the very quick juiced ball error. Uh, The the easy talk the first couple years, first couple weeks of the season was like, oh, they deaded the ball. No more home runs. Oh my goodness, no one's going to hit home runs. And it showed. The Yankees led Major League Baseball with uh, 254 home runs, well short of the 307 record set by the Twins several years ago. And there's only two teams that hit more than 220 home runs. Uh, the Yankees and the Braves. That's it. They're the only teams that hit more than 220 home runs. Aaron Judge hit 62. It's, it's, it's bananas to, to think that he had 62 home runs in a year where home runs were less and less uh, of, a, of a thing after the past few years that we saw. If Aaron Judge hit 62 in 2019, we'd be like, okay, the juice balls, you know, fly balls flying out of the park. We, we, we saw that. We saw it coming. This is the complete opposite, which makes it all the more impressive. It really does. And he finished with 16 more home runs than the second person in Major League Baseball. That was Kyle Schwarber of the Philadelphia Phillies. And he finished with 22 more than the next highest in the American League. That was Mike Trout. Shout out to him. A great season. 40 home runs in 119 games played. And then if you go behind Trout, it's Jordan Alvarez of the arch nemesis Houston Astros who hit 37 in 135 games. Aaron Judge hits 25 more than him in 22 more games played. And you got to go all the way down to Shohei Otani for the third most in the American League. He hit 34 in 157 games, the same amount as Aaron Judge. And Judge beat him by 28 home runs. So just an all-around historic season from the best player in baseball this season. And he is the runaway MVP. I I hate to beat the drum again. I'm not even looking at articles that argue for Shohei Otani. All due respect to him. Aaron Judge also played gold glove defense at two positions in the outfield, including a premium position of center field. I mean, he's listed on ESPN as a center fielder and he really took that position by storm we always talked about not overusing him in center field he was playing center field several times a week he was playing center he was he was the everyday center fielder for at least two months of the year uh, look, and, he, and the, he, he did this while playing the co- completely shattered the Aaron Judge can't stay healthy uh, persona he played 157 games the most he's ever played in his career beat his 155 his rookie year you know, the past two years, he played 148 last year uh, and 157 this year. So 305 games out of a, you know, roughly 300, uh, 324. So he's only he's, he's only missed 20 games the past two years, all because of, of rest here. So just, just remarkable stuff. And I just said, playing center field and, 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 you know, playing, playing right field, you know, this year, 
He played 78 games in center field and 73 games in right field. So he's a center fielder. He played more games in center than he did in right, which is, which is crazy to think here. Luckily, he doesn't have to do that in the playoffs as the Yankees got Harrison Bader, Bader for that. But just an epic season, and Judge is going to deserve every single dollar that the Yankees will give him next year as he, he supplants his, his history with the Yankees here. Very cool stats. Uh, you know, baseball is weird. Baseball is romantic. Roger Maris, number nine. Aaron Judge, number 99. Roger Maris hit in 61 in 61. 61 years later, Aaron Judge hits 62. Pretty cool. Pretty cool stuff all around from Judge. Uh, and, but he, he will say it most that, you know, that season isn't going to matter if they come up short in the playoffs. Jeter kind of had a tongue-in-cheek tweet about that too. Said, congratulations, now it's playoff time. Because that, that's what's going to matter. And Aaron Judge has said that from the get-go. Every time they mention this record, he says, you know, those are great. But you know what those guys have? Those guys have titles. So thanks for setting the AL record, the Yankee record for home runs. Now the pressure's on to go set the record for most home runs in a postseason. Because that's what we're going to expect as fans. But for now... And for this episode, number 99, MVP. Some other awards that might have not runaway winners here, but probably will have the, we've been on the same page most of the year here. So let's go with, give me your Cy Young Award winner for the Yankees in 2022, Sammy. This is going to be tough. I am going to have to go with Nestor Cortez. He was flopping a little bit near the all-star break, but he just came back out and he has a style of pitching that had hitters so, so off balanced. And we never had the concern of the home run ball like we do with Garrett Cole, who we're going to get to on the next episode of what the rotation should look like. But in terms of consistency, it was Nestor Cortez for the New York Yankees. ERA under two and a half. You really can't say much more about this guy than Garrett Cole. Just pure dominance in a way that we don't see pitchers dominate anymore in the year of 2022 so it it has to be Nestor Cortez and the debate of who's the game one starter yada yada we'll save that for for later or next episode but my 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 Cy Young for the New York Yankees is Nestor Cortez he was had a little bit of a rough stretch where he wasn't finding the fifth six innings but I'm going with him I agree I think it has to be him the man with the most inconsistent windup in baseball was the most one of the most consistent pitchers in baseball uh, and the Yankees just an absolute diamond in the rough had him on the it, it had him in the building years ago watched him bounce around from a few teams here not pitching well to all of a sudden coming up and just being the ace of the staff essentially Garrett Cole's got some better underlying numbers for the year but you know those those home run numbers are glaring um for for Cole so if you want consistency and if you want a guy that go out there and and you know exactly what you're getting every time. Nestor Cortez has 100% done that. You know, he's got 158 innings after never t- touching 100 innings in his career. Uh, you know, 163 strikeouts in those innings. A whip under one. Uh, as you mentioned, the, the 2.44 ERA. Just uh, an absolute gem uh, of, a, of a human. And just a joy to watch because you never know what he's going to do on the mound. Well-earned all-star game appearance. And just, uh, one of the more vital players as the Yankees head into uh, into the postseason here too because the, the bar has been set for Cortez now. We, we expect some, some great things from him. Um, and I'm just really curious to see how that continues with the innings here. But but I agree with you. He is the, the Cy Young for the Yankees. Uh, quick shout out I want to give out to, to Mike King. We're not going to talk about him much because he got hurt so early in the year. Mike King 
got hurt ages ago, only threw 50 innings on the year. He still has the fourth highest war of relievers this year, and he got hurt half a season ago. So if he got healthy, very easy he could have been the Cy Young award for, for, for the Yankees here, but it goes to Cortez. There's no arguing that. And opponents hit 189 off of him. Like you said, the inconsistent windup, the Mark Burley type pitching. Y- you don't see pitchers dominate like he does. They're, they're serviceable ones at the back end of the rotation that, that give you a quality start four out of five times. But 2.44 ERA, wins and losses don't matter though. He went 12 and 4. Over 100 innings for the first time in his career. He went over 150. So there's going to be plenty of debate about the starting rotation for the playoffs. And I'm not going to complain whenever this guy goes because they're going to be getting a gem out of him. That's both of our Cy Youngs, and I think deservedly so. And he really built off a strong end of the 2021 season. He threw 93 innings last year. I'm excited to see what he does in the postseason. When you look at him as a whole, he's only 27 years old. 27 going on 40. Yeah, with that mustache. It's, he could be in the Yankee rotation for years to come. He, he, he is an absolute hurler, and he, he does, does it in a way that we really don't see anymore. So congratulations to Nestor Cortez on a fantastic season, and he's going to be starting one of the Yankees' two games at home. Uh, Luis Severino might be in the conversation for that. Yeah, but. not 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 sold on that. We, we, we can get into that next episode here because there is the in the end, the Yankees have three legitimate options for for game ones, two, and three in the playoffs, which is going to be fantastic. But the regular season belonged to the nasty Nestor. Coming up here for the next award here, let's stick with the positive vibes here. Give me your biggest surprise of the Yankees' uh, season here. He was injured in August, but I have to go with Matt Carpenter in the month he gave the Yankees. You can go a lot of avenues here, but Carpenter came from the Texas Rangers organization. He was signed out of the AAA system when he opted out of his contract, and he came right up to the major leagues, and he absolutely rake until his injury and for a while he was the best player in baseball in the Yankees <laughs> offense and he was the best it, player in baseball for those couple weeks he was just drinking the fountain of youth at age 36 and it was after two years with the St. Louis Cardinals where he really really struggled to do anything at the plate and in just 47 games he hit 15 home runs he batted over 300 OPS over 1100 this is something I never saw coming. So if you if you ask me in March that Matt Carpenter would, would have been on a tear for the Yankees at any point this year, I'd have been like, you're freaking crazy. So that's my most surprising player. There's, like every year, a, a different avenue you could go. Jose Trevino, even Glaber Torres bouncing back in a big way and going on a tear. Yeah, and- that was my um, uh, my decision there was between, I knew you were going with Carp, which is a great pick. Uh, you could even go with Cortez in his first yeah. season. As to, a- going into sp- spring training, he had to earn a spot in the rotation. And here we are giving him the Cy Young Award for the season. That was not set in stone that he was going to be in the rotation at all. Uh, so you're right. You could you could have gone there. Carp, just an unbelievable year. We, we're hoping. It seems like we're going to see him. I don't know if we'll see him starting games, but he's going to be in. The, he's going to be in the dugout and probably on the roster for the playoffs here. So we might not see the end of Matt Carpenter in a Yankee uniform. But uh, yeah, just I, I mean the Yankees 
signed him. I, I was, you know, like everybody else, I was like, why? We've got other kids, give a kid a shot. Like, why are we picking this guy that's hitting like 210 the past two years here? And boy, did he prove everybody wrong. Just an absolute, you know, he said he would literally carry the bags to the bus if the Yankees asked him to. He just wanted to be on this roster. And instead of carrying the bags in the bus, he carried the lineup at times. So, you know, could it could be a huge boost again for the Yankees in the playoffs if needed. I mean, that's going to be, he's going to be, an, I think, an electric off the bat pinch hitter in, in big games here. And that's, that's going to be really fun to watch. Um, like you said, a couple other options for surprises here. Uh, I was torn. Uh, Glaber Torres is my boy. I was even thinking maybe Oswaldo Cabrera, just given his late start here. But I think you mentioned it. The answer for me is is Jose Trevino. You know who? A guy the Yankees had to trade days before opening day because Ben Royvolt, uh, who we assumed we thought was going to be on the Yankee roster, and we even picked him to take over the starting catching role. Play got to see one game in the Yankee uniform due to injury, and Trevino, who we traded for. Albert Abreu for who we immediately got back uh, and just how did this guy go fit through the weeds just an unbelievable season behind the plate catching the ball uh, and then was able to to provide some power from the bat you do not see um, players like this that have such good skills behind the plate as as a receiver and it was noticeable how well he receives the ball. I and mean, these Yankees pitchers noticed that we had the, you know, we had the, the best rotation, the best bullpen for a lot of a lot of this year in the first half. And that was all because of Jose Trevino, another well-earned all-star appearances. Uh, but then he provided some bat. You know, he hit a home run. He hit the last home run of the year. So he finishes with 11 home runs in the year, batted 248. Kind of struggled a little bit in the second half after that amazing first half here, but but nothing to complain about. Uh, and someone that, you know, going behind the plate gives the Yankees the best defensive catcher in baseball. <laughs> Coming from where we were last year in the playoffs, where if there was a guy on first base, we might assume he's automatically on third base because of two pass balls. Now, Jose Trevino it can steal strikes at the whim of his glove. It was just awesome to see a guy, you know, get his, his due. You know, 29 years old. Another guy like Nestor Cortez that the Yankees sh- should have cheap for the next few years if, if they needed it, uh, and they're worried about costs here. Just 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 great stuff from from Chevy. He was amazing, and we go back to the Yankees scorching start. And I, I mentioned that New York Post article. I'm going to mention it again. What a lot of scouts believe was the difference in the Yankees this year. It was Trevino and his work with the pitching staff compared to Gary Sanchez in years past. So days before the regular season, that is, that is a great choice. There are so many avenues you can go just like it seems to be every year for the Yankees with this award, but you don't see Trevino do so well this season in a role. He was just thrust into and Santa, to put it more, uh, baseball savants, catcher framing runs, Jose Trevino, number one, 15 catcher framing runs this year. Next closest is actually the guy that is Texas, Johan Heem, who I guess Texas didn't need Trevino from a defensive standpoint because they had, they had this guy. But still, 15 catcher framing runs for Trevino with a strike rate of 53.8%, which is the best in baseball. So both of those. Are, are tops in baseball. Just a, an unbelievable defensive standpoint season that, you know, you know, defensive metrics are what they are. Catcher metrics are even sometimes harder to figure out. But it was clear that Trevino is a phenomenal receiver in kind of the way that they have the, the you know, stealing, stealing runs or whatever. Trevino, if you throw the ball low, 
Trevino is able to bring that ball up and get calls striked better than anybody in baseball. It's just phenomenal to watch. Um, and if you combine the Yankees, two catchers, you got Trevino with, with 15 runs and Kyle Higashioka got three catcher runs. Uh, so that's a total of 18 as a team, which, which is by far um, best in baseball. Uh, and not to knock on, on Gary because we liked Gary for, for who he was. But I'm, I'm still scrolling and looking for Gary Sanchez on here. And uh, I'll be honest, I don't even see him on the list. I'm going to do a quick uh, quick find for him. There he is. Gary Sanchez had one. So Gary Sanchez finished 27th overall in baseball. Um, you know, not great when there's 30 teams in, ba- in baseball. But overall, there was 60, 60 catchers in baseball. Uh, Gary Sanchez finished 27th. The Yankees finished 1-13. and 13. So what a difference overall. You want to just make it a broad comment here. Defensively, the Yankees went from one of the worst defensive teams in baseball to one of the best, and an absolute reason why they have a, a wild card buy. And it all starts with with Trevino. Yeah, and I don't want to beat a dead horse here. And but when you're looking at the Yankee season and one of the most valuable players who was Trevino, you have to look at the guy they gave up on, and it was Gary Sanchez. He batted just over the Mendoza line this season and on base percentage of 282, OPS of 659. Trevino beat both of those. It's across the board. Trevino was a better offensive player and a much better defensive player than Gary Sanchez. And look, I want to give the Yankees credit, 100% credit for, for finding this guy. But at the same time, this was not the plan. The plan was Kyle Higashioka, who struggled mightily out the gate. Higashioka was the opening day starter, and he started a majority of the games here, and Trevino just stole that job from him. Higgy actually had a great, great uh, September, and he's gotten some serious his swing and made his numbers look, rep, you know, more respectable, but uh, atrocious first half and lost that job. But that's not the plan. The plan was Higgy and, and Ben. Ben never saw the field, and Higgy straddled mightily. So the, the, the Yankees' plan kind of failed, and they got lucky with Trevino. But, you know, you you know it is what it is. They still were able to find Trevino and still were able to to make a deal for him and then get get Albert Abreu right back. Just a overall success story for the Yankees and for Trevino, uh, who's a Yankee fan, and I'm excited to see kind of what he goes. I think, you know, I think Higgy is gone this year, so I'm, I'm going to be curious to see you know, Higgy, Trevino at 29 already if he could back this up next year. But for now... Definitely earned the most surprising player of the year for the Yankees. Uh, on the flip side, we got to find the yuck. Who was the most disappointing player in pinstripes this year? Like for the most surprising player, you can go. There's a couple. There's a couple yucks out there. So many different ways. I'm gonna go Josh Donaldson, the Ooh, guy okay. they got back for Gary Sanchez and who they traded Gio Urshela for. Offensively, I always thought he was going to get going, especially after that series in Boston where he started one of the games with a three-run homer and the other one with a grand slam. But he had the worst season since he broke out with the Oakland Athletics back in uh, 2013. He went all the way down to 222. uh, 308 on base percentage. Those are career worst numbers by by a long shot. And, and I, I said I would have taken the year he had with the Twins in 2021. Yep. 
And there's a lot of Yankees fans who, who said he's washed coming into the year. No one, the numbers did not show that. He had 26 home runs and a pitcher spark in 2021 and an 827 OPS all the way down to a 682 OPS in 2022, his first year with the Yankees. He, he was good defensively in, in 132 games, but just we didn't even get in the same ballpark of the Twins player that he was in 2021. He is 36. The Yankees have him under contract for 2023. Um, we didn't get anything close to what Donaldson was in his career with the Twins. I did not expect the MVP numbers that he had with the Blue Jays or the season he had with the Braves in 2019, but he was not a major guy in the lineup that pitchers feared, which he just didn't need to be that either. He had to be a guy that kept things going, knocked guys in, and unfortunately he wasn't that. I hope in the playoffs he makes a new name for himself. Yeah, you said, and he got, got in some trouble off the field too and, you know, continued to be Josh Donaldson, the asshole that everyone in baseball kind of assumes he is. Um, and with similar to the Trevino thing, it, it – it comes down to defense for me for for Josh. We were hoping for some better offense, hundred percent. Didn't expect them to be this bad offensively. Had a big couple big home, couple big moments. You know the grand slam and extra innings, um, which you mentioned versus the Rays here. Um, but defensively, solid, real solid. Uh, you know, sticking with Statcast here. Josh Donaldson was the fourth ranked third baseman with six runs prevented and eight out. Uh, above average in no comparison because this, this is the deal that it was. Gio Urshela was 30th with negative four runs prevented and negative five outs above average. Look, the Yankees have built this team for October. They built this team around, the bullpen got demolished by injuries, but they built this team around pitching, bullpen, and defense. Donaldson was a huge part of that and they're paying a huge price for that. But they don't want to lose on bad defensive play. And they were terrible defensively the past few years. So I, I, I understand the, the the pick offensively just wasn't there. wasn't like he was supposed to be. Uh, and really had some rough, rough stretches of at-bats here. But but for me, if Donaldson continues to to play an excellent third baseman, uh, I think we're going to see him in the lineup all, all postseason. Um, and, I, and I think he's gone. I think Yankees eat some of his salary and, and trade him this year because they're going to have some other options. But I, I give him a, a passing grade on defense, but, but a big failure on offense. So that's why he won't be my least valuable player uh, or most disappointing player. I have to go, even though he traded his ass. I still got to go Joey Gallo. I will sit here and say it. I bet Joey Gallo hit the most home runs in Major League Baseball this year. I did not know that Aaron Judge was going to break the AL record for home runs. But one thing I did not guess is, Joey Gallo has 56 hits on the year with the Yankees and Dodgers combined. That is six less hits than Aaron Judge has home runs. Just a mind-boggling number uh, of just how bad Joey Gallo has been as a baseball player. And for all those who said, once he goes to the Yankees, he's going to change it up and he's going to be better and the Yankees are going to look bad. Not the case. 82 games with the New York Yankees, Joey Gallo batted 159 with a 282 on base percentage and a 339 slugging. 44 games with the Dodgers, he batted 162 with a 277 on base percentage and a 393 slugging percentage. He is the same player whether he's in Dodger blue or pinstripe blue. He has just not been a good baseball player and the opposite of Aaron Judge in a walk year. We're talking at the trade deadline last year, people were applauding the Yankees for getting a year and a half for Joey Gallo. This is a guy that potentially could be getting a $100 million contract, and now he's going to have to take pennies on the dollar just to play baseball next year. 
I feel bad for him. Had some rough, rough moments here in New York. Very glad he's not on my team heading into the postseason and couldn't have been more wrong about what I expected from, from Joey Gallo. So he's my least valuable player, even for a guy that got traded at the deadline. That's definitely fair. And and especially disappointing plays into that because yeah. I, said, I said it a million times, but it looked like he could not catch up to 96, 97 up in the zone. And that was the story of Gallo's season with the New York Yankees swinging a miss swinging a miss swinging a miss up in the zone it it was it felt like an automatic out and I was right there with you in terms of he couldn't have been worse than last year and he was yeah I was right there with you though in terms of when he was traded everyone was like oh he'll be great outside of New York no he's the same player he can't catch up the a uh, high fastball up in the zone. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna guarantee, I'm gonna bet that he goes back to Texas and hits like 25 home runs next year, which is not great. I mean, he had he had 38 home runs in 2020, 2021. You know, he's he had, he's hit 40 twice. He's always we, we know the player that he is. And I actually, I don't even want to spend this much time talking about Joey Gallo on, on, a, on a great season for the Yankees here. So I'm just gonna leave it at that. He is my most disappointing player by far. Couple couple other options here, not to dwell on the bad of the year. Uh, Aaron Hicks. I think his time in New York has settled up, has come to an end. Um, and then the big one is Aroldis Chapman. You know, the Yankee closer heading into the year, lost his job, hit the IL a few times, and just overall ineffective. Couldn't find the strike zone for most of the year. Easily his worst year in Major League Baseball. I think we still see Chapman on the postseason roster just due to injuries. But, you know, uh, just disappointing year for, for Chapman if you want to touch on him for a minute. A guy I've been a huge fan of over the years, and I, I've defended him a lot, but his stuff appears to be just totally ineffective. You, you don't know what you're getting. You could get a 14-pitch inning like you did last night in, in the second half of the doubleheader. You also could get a, a game where you can't find the strike zone at all. His decline is something, but you have to remember relief pitchers oftentimes they shoot their load, uh, yep. you know, in a three or four year span. Aroldis Chapman was an elite reliever for the better part of a decade, and, and he's 34 right now. So he'll find his way on another team, time. I would imagine, but his time in New York's come to an end. Like you say, 28 walks and 36 innings is, is the huge issue here. You just couldn't. Because at times, like you said, the stuff is there. He's still got some nasty stuff going on there, but he can't control it. Maybe an offseason to figure it out, and good luck to whoever signs him. You know, you know, he's going to be a setup man for the Brewers or something next year, or the closer for the Cubs. I go back there. But, um, you know, we, Yankees still might need him. The Yankees still might need him to, to get an inning or two here in the playoffs. But major disappointment for for him as the Yankees now go to a closer by committee in the playoffs. You know, plenty to, to discuss there next week. Um, but we don't even know who's going to be in the bullpen. There's so many injuries going on. A couple other shout-outs before we wrap up this this, this kind of award podcast. Sam, give me your, your – no, we didn't have that many, but – Give me, I think it's an obvious one, but give me your rookie of the year for the Yankees. Rookie of the year. It has to be uh, Oswaldo Cabrera. Kind of came out of nowhere. Defensively coming up, but he came up and he was elite defensively in right field right away. And then the bat really turned on, Um, you know, Six, seven home runs this year. He he really is a nice swing. Tailor-made for Yankee Stadium. He can play a lot of positions. Switch hitting. Uh, he came up in the middle of that fucking horrible slump for the Yankees. Um, I give him a lot of credit. Got some swag to him, too. I think I like him. I, I, I'm i starting him in left field in the playoffs. But you said the bats come around. Last 15 games, got four home runs, 
on base percentage of 336, uh, you know, hitting 300. You know, we kind of, it, he fit in real quick. Fit in. He has been what we want Aaron Hicks to be, a switch hitting guy that can come in and, and play play around. And, look, and even more so, play way better than, than Aaron Hicks in the sense defensively of he's never really played the outfield in, in his career. He's had you know, a few innings in right field. And I mean, all of a sudden now he's the everyday right fielder for the Yankees. He's never played left field. And now he's probably going to be starting left field for the Yankees in the playoffs. This is an infielder by trade. He's played every position besides center field and catcher, I think, this year for the Yankees. He, I think, gives us the opportunity to not carry Marwin Gonzalez on a playoff roster because he could play first base if needed. This guy literally bounces all around. Um, and as we, we look, we don't want to look past the playoffs here. Just a guy that offers an organization unreal flexibility moving forward. Just, just unreal flexibility. A guy that can play both corner outfielder spots. Could be your could be a starting shortstop in Major League Baseball. Could play third base. So it's just it was really cool to see. I love it. Love his his, his little swag. He's got he had a grand slam. He's got a big smile on his face at all times. P- pretty obvious choice for for rookie of the year. Do want to give a shout out to a another rookie that unfortunately just just hit the IL. And we're going to miss for most of the playoffs here. But but Ron Marinaccio kind of came up again. Same as out of nowhere, 27 years old. Um, you know, pitched 44 innings for the Yankees. Uh, he set the record for most consecutive innings without a run. They get 27 straight innings to start a major league career without giving up a run. Really nasty stuff. And, and I hope he, he recovers well. And we see him, ideally, we get past the ALDS. And he's on the roster for the ALCS because uh, Marinaccio was pretty important for that, that bullpen when the injury started to hit. He was. And just back to Cabrera for a second, because we talked about the Yankees clinching the division early, although the, the number one seed in the American League was gone. But it allowed them to tinker with his positions. And they got a start at yeah. third base the other night. And it, it allowed the Yankees to try some things. And defensively, it, it was putting him at third base, putting him in left field a couple weeks ago. It's going to be perfect to tie back into Matt Carpenter, I think. If you know you can have him starting in left field, and then let's say you need Carpenter to pinch hit for IKF, assuming he's the shortstop later in the game, you can mess around there and you can just move Oswaldo all over the, the field defensively, and it makes for more options from a pinch hitting standpoint if need be. The Yankees can work the matchups with their lineup and then just throw him in that extra spot in the field wherever needed. You're right. And it was so important for the Yankees to clinch with a few games to go. We talked about this Texas series, how we did not want it to mean anything except for Aaron Judge's home run record. And the last two full series, the last eight games really did not mean anything for the Yankees in terms of the standings in the American League East. And they were allowed to play with that. But you back to Ron Marinaccio, the pride of Tom's River, we need one of those, always. Todd Frazier, Ron Marinaccio. Uh, I, I hope he heals well because it's his shin. He's got some shin bruises going on. And he, he's been a reliable arm out of the bullpen when he's been up with the Yankees. So if the Yankees advance, I hope he comes back because he's a, he's a very, very key piece out of the bullpen. And you go to Clay Holmes, who when you're looking at the bullpen, he hasn't pitched the finals seven eight games of the regular season and this bullpen that we talked about being such a strong point kind of historic early in the year and now me and you might be on the roster yeah and and the the starting pitching when we're going into the playoffs we look at that 
now is a strength for the Yankees when we we never really did, and we looked we're at gonna, the starting team strength all year long, and they have a lot of options. I mean, Herman. Tyone could go into the bullpen. It's it's really, really interesting. It's a lot of stuff that we'll get in the next episode when we know the Yankees' opponent. But the, the, there's a lot of things going on right there. And the bullpen's going to be arguably the biggest question mark. You, you could say the offense, I, I think. No, it's 100% the bullpen. It's, it's yeah, not a question. As long as Aaron Judge is in the lineup, you think the Yankees will be able to score. You know, Stanton had a decent season with a couple injuries. His average is way down, but the power was still there. Rizzo tied a career high in home runs with 32. Gleyber Torres had a, the, one of the worst August of all time, but overall his numbers for the year are pretty good, and he was red hot in, in September. So I'm not worried about the lineup. Hopefully our top three pitchers perform like we've seen them perform. We know they can perform. You know, Seve is lightning in a bottle. You know, he would have had a no-hitter the other day if they let him keep going it, but the right move to take him out. Um, but yeah, as you said, we'll get into that in an ALDS preview. Um, segue that into our kind of final thing here tonight, Sam. The wild card round. I think it's going to be wild. First of its kind. Uh, three games, no days off, eight teams battling to get into the ALDS here. Tampa Bay versus Cleveland. Tampa Bay at Cleveland. Philadelphia at St. Louis. Seattle at Toronto, and then San Diego at the Mets. I kind of love all of these. I think there's intrigue throughout everywhere. I know a lot of odds. You know, they have the Cardinals and Mets heavily favored. They've got Toronto heavily favored, even the Guardians. I think the underdogs here could be fun if you wanted to gamble a little bit. I'm ex- I'm ex- looking forward to chaos Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Um, give me give me some of your thoughts here on this wild card round before we sign off. I'm not a fan of including this many teams in the postseason. I'm a, I'm a little bit old fashioned. I would my preferred method um, is a bit unconventional. It would be basically having one wild card, and if the second one finished five or more games out of Ooh, the first like team. If it finished five or more games out of the first team, there would be no... No game. No game, no nothing. Just if back to the old it, school wildcard era. Yep. If if they finished two or four games out, it would be the second team would have to sweep a doubleheader against the first team. I'm, I'm just not a fan of the uh, third wildcard. The, the Rays won 86 games. All due respect to the Rays and Kevin Cash and how he got that team to rally when they just continue to destruct that roster 86 games the they're four out from the mariners um in the third wild card that is the phillies won 87 games they were 87 and 75 the the mets won 101 games them and the braves along with the dodgers really dominated the national league the st louis cardinals had a great season with 93 wins i would not it's the lockout so i'll live with this but i i like the the format they're going with, uh, I really like. It, it's the the lower teams clearly have a disadvantage having to win two of three in a road series. So I really like it. And the one we're going to be watching is Cleveland and Tampa Bay. And Steve, I hope they go into fifteen inning games yes. every single night because there's no runner on second rule in the postseason 15 inning games every night i think we can both agree on that it will be and it's gonna be a fun series it's gonna be a good pitching matchup here you know offensively i think the yankees should be able to dominate both these teams offensively um but you know and look at the advantage here is is huge too if you know you're not going to have your full rotation set up as you want to if you're a wild card team so tampa's going to have shane um, mcclanahan going versus shane bieber game one and then Tyler Glass now versus Tristan McKenzie 
in game two. So it's going to be a fun pitching matchup. You know, I understand what you're saying about the, the, the wild card rules here. But look, this is here to stay. So I'm ready to embrace it. I'm ready to get four games, three consecutive nights in a row uh, of just pure baseball. Games are 12, 2, 4, and 8 basically every day. 12, 4, you know, that's Friday night, Saturdays, 12, 4, 7, and 8. It's going to be cool. To, to wrap it up here, I've got Tampa beating Cleveland in three. I've got the Philadelphia Phillies beating St. Louis in three as well. I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to go Seattle over Toronto in two games. And then I'm going to go San Diego over the Mets in three games I'm picking the road team in every single one here, and I'm going to look like an idiot come Sunday when home teams dominate. But I want chaos, and I want the, I'm want i going to go with the road teams here. The, the, the home teams are better. Obviously, that's why they're at home. The Mets should destroy the Padres here, but something weird always happens in, in, in Queens. Look, Luis Castillo was the prized possession, you know, the prized guy at the trade deadline. He needs to prove he's worth it for Seattle and and take Game One from from Toronto. And I just I'm not sold on the on the on the Cardinals. No, they had a great second half here. Jordan Montgomery's had a great second half for them too. They've got two AL they got two MVP candidates in Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado. But um, uh, the, the Phillies since they got rid of Joe Girardi are looking pretty good. And Kyle Schwarborough can hit a ball six thousand feet here. So I'm giving them a chance. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun. I'm gonna be wrong, but I'm picking all three underdogs, all four underdogs. These are. This is a tough situation. I'm gonna go the Cleveland Guardians in three games. Weather's gonna be a factor in this. The the Rays, a dumb team, going up in Ohio Good call. in Good call. the fall. I'm gonna go to the Cleveland Guardians in three. The Phillies, they kind of back their way in to the playoffs. I'm gonna go to the St. Louis Cardinals in two, and I'm gonna agree with you on the final two. I have the Mariners over the Blue Jays in two, and I have the Padres over the Mets in three. God bless the soul of Frank Fleming. <laughs> Look, happens. the Mets are good, and sports will be fun if the New York teams can all do it. But it's it's gonna we got, I gotta admit it's gonna be fun if the Mets blow it. But look, you're gonna have Max Scherzer and Jacob Degrom on the mound. Degrom game one, Scherzer game. Well, I think actually it's Scherzer game one, Degrom game two. They they should win both those games. But shoulda, coulda, woulda. This is baseball playoffs here. And it's a crapshoot. So it's going to be fun. And then the Yankees will await the winner. Sam, you got them playing the Guardians. I got them playing the Rays. We'll connect uh, early next week and see who's right and go through a little ALDS pre-show of it all. Look, awesome year. We told you the Yankees were going to win the AL East by seven games. They were going to have the AL MVP. Aaron Judge was going to break the home run record in the AL and hit 62 home runs. We would have been ecstatic. So overall, regular season, massive win for the Yankees. But that's done with, and the real season starts now. Let's do it. I'm so, so excited. Next week, we're going to have a full breakdown of the Yankees against the Guardians of Rays. And this is what it's all about. The Yankees have the talent to win it all. And it's not really something we could say in 2021 or or 2020 in that unconventional season either. So really, this is the best I've felt since 2019. A great September for the Yankees. And we're going to be here all through it every single week. Uh, I I can't wait. All right, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of podcasting in Pinstripes. And we'll see you next time. Sam, see you later. See you later, Steve. Go Yanks. (laughs) Oh, my God.